right, here we go for Saul 105. February 5th, minus 9 coming into work today. Looking for a high of about minus 6 today. Some flurries. Got some snow overnight, eh? Kind of a little little dusting. Maybe a little bit more than that. An inch or two. It seemed like a nice night anyways. Uh, thanks so much for tuning in this morning. Welcome to the Kevin Carey Show on Sports 1440 and uh, tuning in on your AM dial and, of course, in all of our apps in sports1440.ca. Good morning. Uh, it's going to be, it feels weird. Not weird. It feels right is kind of what it feels like. After the All-Star week and being off for a week, it felt like a, felt like more like two weeks, didn't it? It was just a long time. But everything back to normal, back to business. Oilers are back in action tomorrow with the big game in Vegas against the Golden Knights. Oilers looking for win number 17 in a row to tie an NHL record set by the Pittsburgh Penguins back in 92-93. What a weekend it was, man. There was lots going on, to be honest with you, in the sense of just no hockey, but lots of other things going on. The Duke and I and uh, Mark Spector were down at Claire Drake Arena Friday night to watch the Alberta Golden Bears and UBC. And then the Duke, you say you went back on Saturday. Had to have a ha, had to have a second fill for Saturday night. I didn't make her down Saturday, but you were there. I couldn't get enough. Couldn't yeah. get enough. Was back Saturday night. Saw the overtime win for the Bears after the disappointing uh, loss on Friday yeah. night. Another packed barn of the Drake to uh, two full houses. It was great. What was the difference? Do you think between the two games, uh, Friday and Saturday? Uh, well, or there were a lot of there were more similarities, I think, yeah. than differences. Neither team's uh, power play was particularly effective again on the Saturday night, but the both tying goal from UBC in the third period and then the winning goal by the Bears in overtime both did come on the power play after yeah. almost two consecutive nights of uh, fruitless efforts there. <laughs> but it's just two really good hockey teams, a uh, fast pace, some big bodies. Uh, both games had a kind of an edge to them, some extra curriculars after the whistles. It, it's just such good hockey to watch mm-hmm. because these guys care so much and they, you know, they got something to play for and. Um, <laughs> you roll all that into the fact that they're also still students at the same time. Yeah. It's uh, it's a lot of fun, and I love uh, love taking it in. When you're watching that hockey, people again, and we we talked about it, and then uh, uh, the three of us went over to Earl's on Friday after the game and had a couple of pops there, and you see. Again, when when you're going to these games at Claire Drake Arena, the quality of the hockey is so high. People are, I think, they don't realize in town or a lot of people. I mean, I'm sure some people do, but a lot of people don't realize the quality and the level of how good these guys are. Uh, you know, they're all mature players. They're you know 21, 22 years old, 23, and as the Duke was just saying, you know, you play on the weekend, so you're practicing all week, you're preparing, you're getting ready for the weekend. So uh, it just always impresses me, the level of play and uh, the atmosphere. What about, I mean, same thing, Saturday night was similar to to Friday, atmosphere-wise? Yeah, full full house, and the the crowd obviously gets into it. Uh, the 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 packed student section over in the far corner, um, <laughs> always great. And they, I don't know if they apparently I got told this on the Saturday night. They ran out of cups oh. over the weekend. Like that's how. Uh, I mean, you didn't have to look very far to see how long the lines were for the uh, the beer sales on Friday night. Mm-hmm. That uh, I wouldn't be surprised with they and that combined with the single use plastic. So all the cups they'd already purchase in advance they're now out of those so now they just serve them in the, in, in the cans like yeah. uh, like you kind of almost would expect so it's a different look to the the beer pyramid in the corner now moving forward but so uh, was it cans they were they had a can, yeah. a can pyramid yeah boy that would be a, a wild uh 
It'll be a yeah. noisy tumble. Yeah. Anyway, right? so, so did the when the Bears scored, did someone come over and pop it over or what? I'll be honest. I actually don't know. I remember. Because I, I, like, they scored the OT winner. It was all exciting. We're up cheering. And then yeah. I was there with a couple friends on the Saturday night. So we were just talking about the goal amongst ourselves. And then we waited for the Stars. Waited for the, we were the last ones. Like, when, in events like that, whether it be at Oilers games, Bears games, whatever, like I'm in no yeah. rush to leave. Like my, I let the crowd disperse in front of me, and then I just head out uh, once everything's clear. But anyway, so yeah, I didn't even notice if they actually popped over the, hmm. the pyramid or not, or if it had already fallen over uh, earlier or something. Because obviously, so so much physicality in oh. that uh, in that level of hockey that it uh, doesn't take much in terms of a little rattle along the end board glass to send that thing toppling. Sander going down. So, Oilers back in action tomorrow, returned to the practice uh, practice yesterday, at a late practice actually, 5 o'clock yesterday. So, Oilers uh, returned to Rogers Place and then they'll practice this morning before heading to Vegas for tomorrow and tomorrow's tilt against the uh, Golden Knights. Both teams with identical wins and losses, uh, 29 and 15, but the Oilers have five games in hand. Vegas have six overtime wins or losses. The Oilers just with one. So uh, five games in hand. Oilers on the heels of the Golden Knights and the Western Conference standings in the Pacific Division. So uh, Dylan Holloway was recalled from Bakersfield, had the opportunity to play down there while the Oilers were on the All-Star break. Also, uh, one other note uh, regarding a former Oiler, Yesipul Yarvi signs a two-year contract with the Pittsburgh Penguins. It's an average salary per year at $800,000. So a two-year contract worth $1.6 million. Uh, the Pittsburgh Penguins, by the way, will play the Winnipeg Jets tomorrow. So there's talk that Pulley Yarby will make his Penguins debut with the Pittsburgh Penguins tomorrow. Two games in the National Hockey League tonight. Colorado will take on the New York Rangers and the New York Islanders are in Toronto. Text coming in 1833-401-1440. Send us off a, a note. Did you enjoy All-Star Weekend? Did you watch Friday night the skills competition? Of course, Connor McDavid won the skills competition, won the million dollars, and then the Toronto Maple Leafs won the All-Star game on Saturday afternoon, beating uh, McDavid's men. Did you watch it? Did, 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 where do you sit with it? Uh, anyway, text coming in, 1833-401-1440. Good morning, boys. It's been forever since the Oilers have uh, played. Can't wait for the break to be over. Yeah, oh boy. Uh, Dean says, after seeing uh, Justin Bieber's outfit, I don't feel too bad about my Miami Vice jacket in the 80s. Ooh. What do you think of that uh, jacket, Duke, the uh, the Biebs? On, uh, I, I've said this a hundred times. I'll say it a hundred more. Like I do not get fashion. Like like it just like <laughs> I I don't understand what about that looks appealing. Functionality is obviously virtually zero. Like I I, I don't get it, but that's fine yeah. because I'm. It's not meant for me. I'm not supposed to get it. I don't think so. Uh, I'm sure it was a hit amongst the young people. I guess, but I don't. I didn't see it either. Like, do you think people are out? Like, like they see that and they're like, I need to get a coat just like that so I can look like the Biebs. I don't get it either. I, I, yeah. it's, that's fine. And Justin Bieber is, I think, around the same age as me. How old? Do we know how old he is? Well, he's probably be about that. Yeah, 20, so, but, 29. And so like, I, I watched his, his career like from the time he was just the, like the 
12 year old kid on YouTube and then the come up with Usher and stuff. But like, I don't listen to a lot of his music. The stuff I hear, it's fine, but it's not really my cup of tea. Mm-hmm. And his fashion falls into the same camp. That's It's good for him, good for the people that like it. But yeah, I, I do not get it. I don't get it at all. Speaking of movie stars and all that, the Grammys were last night. Hmm. You were playing hockey though, so you didn't probably see any of the Grammys. I caught, I, I, like, I don't watch it anyway, yeah. but it's all over Twitter or X, and and you see like the the red carpet and stuff. That was on my way before or before I left for hockey, and then you know you see some of the like I saw a, a clip of the performance of Tracy Chapman and Luke Combs singing "Fast Car," which I thought was pretty uh, mm-hmm. pretty great. Um, a Tracy Chapman song like jumped up to number one on iTunes again, uh, the original <laughs> version of it after last night. So that's great to see an all timer there. Uh, I saw Celine Dion made an appearance. Yeah. Uh, so that was Joni the, Mitchell. Jo- so. First, okay, Joni Mitchell was, it was, you know, it almost brought a tear to your eye. Yeah, that, that I, di- I didn't actually watch the clip, but yeah. I saw it pass it, and that was a, a lot of the buzz around it I heard that as well. That uh, was uh, Both Sides Now was a song. It all, I mean, I was kind of welling up, I'll be honest, and, and it was really emotional. 80 years old, and you see, you know, she's had some health struggles, I guess, in the last uh, few years, but her performance was just simply amazing, and... Um, I think you, to be honest with you, yesterday you made kind of made you feel proud to be a Canadian, watching her. And then Celine Dion came on, and if you really watch it, and then there was there hasn't been a lot maybe said about it, uh, maybe a little bit, but old Swifty kind of blew off Celine Dion. Oh, really? If you ever if you look at the video, she's you know I mean, and she's probably got a lot of things on her mind. You just win like what was it, album of the year or whatever? I don't even know. Album of the year, yes. And so came on the stage, and yeah, she's probably got a lot of on her, a lot on her mind. She's thinking about things, but she just sort of grabbed that the the Grammy thing and just sort of blew her off, sort of. See ya. You know, and I mean, you, you know, Celine Dion. I don't know how many Grammys she's got, but obviously one of the best singers of all time. And Swifty just sort of just said, "See you later." Well, I don't know. Was it intentional? I doubt it. Probably, probably not. Probably no. just one of those things. Now, but uh, big news, of course, out of that. New album for Taylor <laughs> Swift coming in April, I think. So the other thing that I was, um, I thought, and I watched that part of her acceptance speech or whatever, I thought she was going to say something at the end like, go Chiefs. That that made a bit of a buzz itself that Travis yeah. Kelsey not even mentioned Nothing. in her thank you speech, which, I mean, what, does he, ha- what does he have to do with her music career? Vir- obviously nothing. So oh, it, who knows, she, maybe. she's got enough other people to thank to, to help her have gone to this point oh, musically yeah. and artistically. But. I don't know how high profile he would be at this point. But I get who maybe if the if the Chiefs win, you'll come on Sunday and Travis Kelsey Super Bowl MVP or something. Well, maybe they maybe, had some problems maybe, this last maybe, week. Maybe he'll spurn her in his uh, his speech as that. well. And so then he we, gets he gets a Super Bowl MVP and then in his speech goes nothing. Yeah, just th- thanks. You know, yeah. thank thanks God, thanks my teammates, <laughs> thanks my coaches, thanks my family. No, no mention oh. of Taylor Swift after she gets on the CBS space shuttle from Tokyo back to the game. Uh, Cliff texts in one eight three three four zero one fourteen forty. Nice to see Matthews and Marner win two rounds of something. When is the parade? That was a, that's been another thing over the last couple of days that the Leafs. David think David Pasternak's comments. What yeah. did he say again? He said uh, they need some wins, so I'm glad they could get one. Oh boy. Uh, Stair Farmer All Star Break is so boring. Only good thing about the All Star Break was when uh, McDavid throwing shade at Toronto. So. <sighs> I didn't watch much of the game, maybe a little bit here and there. So 
this, the first game, I think, was more exciting. That's what everyone was saying. I didn't see any of that. Did I you? didn't see a lick of the actual yeah. Like I watched a good chunk of the skills comp Friday, both uh, before I left here, um, filling on the Gregor show, and then I kind of caught clips of it throughout the rest of the, the evening and stuff on my phone while we were at the hockey game and stuff, yeah. and then we actually caught a replay of some of it while we were at Earl's, we as you yeah, mentioned we earlier. So, uh, But in terms of the actual games, I think I saw a highlight of Frank Vetrano's goal yeah. because I just came up on the Ducks' Instagram feed, and other than that, I didn't see a lick of any of it. Uh, one I forgot to mention, so uh, again, the Duke and Speck, and I went to Earl's after the game, on Friday, and UBC coach Sven Butenschon just popped by the table. We had a good little, I don't know, five-minute chat. He was pretty excited. Obviously, they won, so he was in a good mood, but Sven Butenschon used to play for the Oilers a little bit, and we were talking about his uh, Brandon Wheat King days, and he's kind of turned that program around. If you think about it back in the day when he came and uh, changed the uh, the whole outlook and everything in the in the UBC Thunderbirds program. Years ago, not not years ago, like it wasn't that long ago, UBC was just a, like a, a road bump. People would just crush them uh, on the way to victory, doing it on the way to Canada West and things like that. Um, coming up on the big program today, Busy show as usual. Lori Ann Munzer will be our co-host from 8 to 10, as she always is. The former Olympic gold medalist from 2004 in Greece in cycling. Stephen Ellis, daily face-off, our headliner of the day for Mr. Reuter, will be with us uh, right after the break here at 7.20. John Michael Lyles, uh, former NHLer, uh, works for the Colorado Avalanche broadcast team. He will be with us at uh, 8.20. Mark Spector, Scott Billick uh, in the 9 o'clock hour. So Speck is on the road with the Oilers. So he, I think he flew out last night. So he is in Vegas. So he said, you know what, can we push back the time all week? <laughs> Send me a little tip. Remember that was... Uh, we had this issue the last time he was out on the West Coast. and, and uh, He's getting up at quarter to yeah, six. A little, and, a little unnecessarily <laughs> early went out on the road, I think. So Speck sends the, the note. Can we go a little bit later? I go, yes, Speck, we can go a little <laughs> bit later. So Speck's going to be with us every day this week at nine o'clock. So it'll be, I guess, eight o'clock. Pacific time. Scott Billick, Winnipeg Sun, checking in on the uh, Jets at 9.20. Of course, we'll have uh, Are You In or Are You Out at 9.40 with Lorianne Munzer. 10.20, Soren Petrel from the program on uh, 810 WHB in Kansas City. We'll uh, check in and uh, I guess here we go. Super Bowl week is here. Both teams, I guess, now in Vegas. The other thing, Duke, I forgot to, I wanted to see if you watched anything yesterday. Of course, Pebble Beach was rained out, which left the door wide open yesterday for the Live Golf Tour. If you could find it on a channel, if you have it. CW, I think. CW, that's where it's on, yeah. Uh, So I I watched it the whole whole day pretty well. (sighs) There was two things that really struck me, and I never, ever thought I would say this because... Sometimes I look at those guys in the summertime and it's almost cruel. Not allowed to wear shorts. And I'll be honest, I I didn't like it. You didn't like seeing I, them wearing I didn't, shorts. I, I, didn't, I didn't like them in the shorts. Even though it's, I mean, I've never not golfed in shorts. Yeah. You wear shorts in here yes. when it's like minus 20 outside. So it just felt weird to me. To be honest with you, mm. and the the broadcast, the quality of the broadcast isn't as good. 
I didn't like yeah. that the whole band on the left-hand side with all the s- scores on the... Oh, you know, okay. I didn't like that. Yeah, I've never actually watched a live broadcast. So, same same thing as like talking about some of this other stuff. I see clips and highlights of it, of course, but I've never yeah. actually watched one, uh, let alone for a weekend, but let it, a day. Yeah. Um, I actually watched the replay of the third round of Pebble Beach yesterday oh, after yeah, watching yeah. it live on yeah. Saturday because Wyndham Clark was out of his mind. 60. So... Of uh, the final final putt for uh, what would have been an eagle to to set the uh, first time sub sixty. Yeah. Only they think the twelfth person ever to shoot a sub sixty round period. <laughs> that and that course took on a lot of water. Oh, that's oh. what I mean. Like to shoot at that in those conditions because yeah. every ball that landed was just immediately plugged right into the like right into the sod. There was no roll, no nothing on tee shots, iron shots, whatever. Mm-hmm. So it was incredibly impressive. That guy's. He's about as hot as anyone yeah. in golf here over the past uh, year or so, I we'll, guess. So We'll talk some golf in 740 uh, yeah. hour here. So uh, Coming up uh, right after the break, Stephen Ellis, Daily Faceoff, our guest on the Kevin Carey Show on Sports 1440. Stay with us. All right, welcome back to the big program. Time now for the headliner of the day, brought to you by Mr. Rooter. They are sports fans like all of our listeners and are totally pumped. Sports Talk Radio is back for all your plumbing needs. Go to mrrooter.ca as we welcome in Stephen Ellis from the Daily Faceoff back to the show. Uh, morning, Stephen. How was the all-star break in the game and the festivities in Toronto this weekend? Honestly, a lot better than I was uh, expecting. I was kind of dreading this week. It's, it's <laughs> never fun when the event's kind of in your own city, but uh, I could say that was a lot more fun than I was expecting it to be. What was it that you, that kind of drew it to drew the, you know, everything, like the whole experience? What was it that uh, you kind of have that uh, assessment? Well, the, the actual on-ice action was pretty good. Um, the skills competition was significantly better than we're used to. The game was worth watching for the most part. Um, I, I'd also say, like, everywhere I went, people were buying into it, uh, whether it be, you know, going to restaurants or people wearing hockey jerseys, um, you know, going outside at 7 o'clock in the morning, and there's a bunch of people walking around getting ready just to get going to the event. So uh, it, it just felt like everyone cared about the event. The celebrities helped there, and I think just all that combined just made it a success. Do you think it really started th- uh, Thursday, Steve, I guess, with the draft, and then everyone kind of got into it from there and sort of just, I guess, snowballed from there? I, I'd argue it kind of started Wednesday night okay. when we saw the big Elias Lindholm trade because the, the people were talking about that, people were excited about that, and then, yeah, Thursday through the draft, which was pretty rough to watch in person, and then the uh, PWHL showcase. The fact that they made Thursday important this year, I think, really helped kind of just build into a bigger event. Stephen Ellis from the Daily Faceoff, our headliner of the day for Mr. Reuter on Sports 1440. With the news that all the news that happened away from the game, from the skills competition, like Todd McClellan, Jim Hiller, uh, the change in LA, and all that other stuff, did that just sort of add to the whole scope and spectrum of everything? For sure. You know, kind of just sitting around uh, waiting to kill some time on Friday morning and everything happened in a row. Uh, obviously, kind of, there was a big trade. There was. The big coaching thing. I, I thought the international hockey news. I know that was huge. Personally, I love international hockey. Being able to see best on best happen again is great. Uh, so the fact that we got so much news before noon was mm-hmm. on Friday was kind of nuts. But that, that got people talking. That led into the uh, Gary Bettman press conference later that day, where he addressed a lot of things. And I think that just kind of made for an action-packed day. Which, at least from, as a reporter, that's awesome. Yeah. Uh, we don't get a lot of days like that. What did you make of Bettman's uh, news conference? Uh, a lot of things on the table. There's no question about that. Yeah, you know, I'd say that uh, he probably wasn't a fan of the Hockey Canada stuff uh, kind of being a big part of this, of, of everything. Obviously, with uh, the news coming out later today with the press conference, but uh, you look at the, the news they started off with the two international stories, I think that at least 
helped him uh, kind of go into this and maybe not dreading it as much. But uh, I think they didn't say a whole lot on Hockey Canada because there isn't a lot they can say right now because it is a legal thing. But at least, you know, from the international hockey standpoint, I'm pretty happy with what they announced. Uh, just to let our listeners know, at noon will be the uh, news conference uh, out of London with London police uh, today at noon. So, uh, Stephen, in the sense of uh, the game itself, and the, well, the games, I guess you can call it, on, on Saturday afternoon, what was the vibe? What was the feeling like in the building? I, you know, there was a really good crowd. They said it was a sellout. Uh, definitely appeared to be like that. Uh, fans stayed for the whole thing, at least from the skills competition. That didn't seem to be the case, which I think was kind of disappointing because that I thought was pretty good. But the games itself, uh, it, it was pretty rough to watch that first one. But I think when people started, the players started to take it a bit more seriously as the game went on because, you know, there was money on the line. There was a reason for them to start caring. I think that kind of helped uh, pick up the pace a little bit. And then I think it really took team with the four Toronto players going out there and getting the crowd hyped up for everyone to kind of just ramp up the excitement there and we saw McDavid kind of lead the charge on a comeback win to get to the final and uh, yeah, you get the two of the biggest stars in the game playing against each other I think you can't ask for a better finish you know, it's funny. There's a lot of Leaf haters, as you know, um, and everyone was kind of giving them the raspberries a little bit of the business about the fact that you know, they won this game. You heard what David Pasternak had to say. Do, do you feel that there as well? For sure. You know, obviously the Leafs, they got the one of the biggest hockey markets in the world, but it's also one of the most polarizing ones, even with its own fan base. So I think that was cool. You see Pasternak kind of hyping up the fans. You got Kucherov. Uh, I'm not sure what he was trying to do on Friday night, but then on Saturday he was in the crowd uh to keep booing him, and I thought that was really fun. So, uh, again, the buy-in from the the rivalry standpoint was good. I feel like, you know, the Montreal Canadiens aspect of it, when you've got uh, uh, Nick Suzuki there, he's just a quiet guy. He didn't really say a whole lot, didn't really do a whole lot. The fans didn't seem to care about him, but they were they were playing into the rivalries there. And you know, McDavid got some of the biggest cheers of any player, and that's not the case when the Oilers come to town. But obviously, with so many friends and family there at hometown, that kind of helped. Stephen Ellis from the Daily Faceoff, our guest on Sports 1440. So, all right, we're done with the All-Star game, All-Star weekend. Uh, anything in particular catching your eye as we get things back uh, rolling tonight? A couple of games, the Islanders are in Toronto. So anything, you know, on the top of the radar for you here as we uh, kind of unofficially start the second half? Well, I think it's just going to be interesting to see which teams, at least tonight and tomorrow, kind of start off the hottest because uh, you know, it, it's a long break for a lot of teams there. Uh, some teams are going to be having their bye week this week, but with this week, it's just trying to get back to the full speed. I, I always feel bad for the guys that play in the All-Star game, especially the ones that lose and kind of just feel like they wasted some time and then have to get right back into playing. But it'll be interesting to see kind of which teams react first. You know, the, the Islanders sent one guy in Barzell, the Leafs sent four. They didn't have to do any travel, but they were busy all week as opposed to taking a vacation. So it'll be interesting to see how that happens. And then obviously the Oilers, when they return, yeah. uh, how long can they keep the streak? I hope it goes as long as possible because I think it's, it's cool seeing a team do what they're doing right now. Where do you see, you know, staying on the Leafs here just for, for a moment, where do you see the Leafs kind of moving forward, in, you know, in the next uh, you know couple of weeks? Because there's still another, well, a month or so before the trade deadline, just a little over a month. But where do you see Toronto kind of moving forward here? I still think they're going to be one of the top teams in the East. We see their ups and downs every single season. I think with this year, uh, the key thing I'm looking at here is, like, what goaltending are they going to get the rest of the way? 
Uh, Ilya Samsonov has been at the absolute bottom, but then he played really good hockey before the break. Uh, Joseph Wolf still out, but he was the starting goalie for a while. Can he come back? Can he do that? Uh, a lot of questions on the defense, just you know, reliability concerns. Sturry and Ostamsonov was a big reason why they kept low in third period leads, but it didn't seem to matter what goalie was in that. The the least blue line was hurting them just as much. So I think I, I still expect them to be one of the best teams in the East come the heading into the playoffs. And the playoffs obviously are a whole other story with that franchise. But I think with them, they'll be just. And they put it all together. And I know that sounds simple, but, you know, they've got the talent to make it work. It just that talent playing every single game at their best has been a difficult thing for them. Stephen Ellis with us on Sports 1440. Is there a team out in the Eastern Conference that you think will be maybe a bit busier than others uh, come trade deadline here? I, I think, you know, you look at Tampa Bay and they're a team that's going to want to make sure that they – this this run alive because they signed a lot of those guys to long-term contracts so they're going to want to be able to do what it takes to keep that run alive i know the goaltending hasn't been great for them this year which is typically not a normal thing but i think you know at least the playoffs will be a good chance for a reset but right now they're not guaranteed a playoff spot the way they're playing so there's that and then i think pittsburgh they got to just it'll be interesting you know and there's been a lot of talk like did Crosby be traded? I still don't think it's going to happen, but if they could somehow maximize some of those star players into a lot of good assets and then maybe bring back Crosby for a one-off in two or three years type mm-hmm. thing uh, through the agency, I think that'd be huge for that franchise. So those are the two teams I'm looking at. Do you think Pittsburgh has uh, you know, enough horses even right now to, to make a push here? It's no, uh, they they need some help here. Uh, they need to figure something out here. Uh, they traded away a lot of assets to get Eric Carlson, which was definitely the right move at the time, but they're not probably getting the value they want out of that one. Uh, so, I do they maximize and say, you know, what, we're trading Jake Gensel, we're writing this year off, and try to see what we could do next year. They're going to have to trade a key player here if they're going to make a run in the next couple of years. Because the way it's heading, especially with the prospect pool, this is it's going to be really tough sledding for that franchise for the rest of Crosby's career, which is probably not what they want. Mm-hmm. Stephen Ellis, Daily Faceoff, our guest on the Kevin Carey Show on Sports 1440. In the Western Conference, Stephen, any team in particular that you think is going to make a little bit more of a, you know, a, a push here trade-wise uh, that we can maybe see them uh, really, really, you know, overhauling a roster uh, moving forward here? I think the LA Kings kind of have to go all in here at this point because They've got a lot of talent. This year started off great, and then it fell apart. And a lot of people pointed, myself included, at the goaltending heading into the season, saying, "Do can you really rely on this group?" And that has been a huge downfall for them uh, in recent weeks. And Cam uh, Talbot, we know he could play really well, but he can't play as much as he has this year because you know he's older. He's not. He has struggled some health issues the last couple of years. Like asking him to play as much as he has is not a good sign. So it'll be interesting to see if they go out there and get another goalie. Uh, I think, you know, they got some good prospects they can move. They're one of those few teams that are a contender that do does have a nice pipeline. They can uh, part with if they need to. I think they're not too far from being a serious contender. They just gotta you know they just gotta start selling the pieces off to try to make that happen. So Keep an eye on the LA Kings. Do you think Calgary waits till closer to the deadline to make the moves that the Flames everyone thinks that they're going to make, or would they maybe you know kind of you know start a little sooner than other teams might expect? Well, I guess you know trading went home. That yeah. that shows they're ready to start moving when they can. And I think with Flames, it you, you gotta gotta react when the market reacts. And I think now that we've seen you know two big trades already in the last couple of days, 
with Lindholm, with Monaghan, I think teams are going to start to try to attack earlier because you want to get these guys into your system early. We've seen often where these guys get traded for the deadline. It takes them way too long to get up to speed, and I think making those moves early is very important. So I don't think that's on Calgary to do that. I think mm-hmm. that's on the other teams to come to them and make the move as quick as possible. And I don't think, again, there's a few guys that Calgary can move. I think a lot of them will move, especially Tano. They just It's when the teams are going to want to start making those moves, I guess. Stephen Ellis, Daily Faceoff, our guest on Sports 1440. Uh, Steve, you do so much work with all the prospects and the younger players uh, coming down the pipeline here. Is there a player or two that uh, basically from the start of the year to your midseason rankings that has, uh, you know, maybe, you know, caught your eye or really increased his, uh, you know, his worth, I guess, moving forward here? Well, the one guy that I think a lot of people are going to be looking for at this draft is Ken Lidstrom, and uh, you know, six foot five forward, power forward, uh, someone that I was kind of looking at maybe a late first round pick at first, and a lot of people said the same. And now some are wondering if he goes number two, and mm. uh, he plays over in the WHL, and he's been injured for a while this year. That didn't really help him there. He missed the CHL top prospects game, but you don't get guys that can shoot and score and be as mean as as Caden Lindstrom, uh, again, with that size, that really helps. He moves very well. He's kind of like, he's kind of a perfect power forward in the, the sense of like maybe Matt Kachuk, but bigger type thing. So a lot of people think he can go number two, and I think that's pretty cool to see because, again, I love guys that are big that can throw hits and score, and, and he does it all. Stephen Ellis with us uh, on Sports 1440. From that prospects game, was there any player in particular in your mind that kind of, uh, stood out for you to maybe push his stock moving forward? I think uh, for me, a lot of people were looking at that. And when Ryerson Leander is a goalie for Mississauga Steelhead, there's no clear number one goalie in this year's draft. And I think that's just a kind of a sign that goaltending is so hard to draft to begin with. But Leander started off really well in Mississauga, kind of his play fell off a little bit. But in recent weeks, he's really picked it up again. The Steelhead, uh, they're, they're in the news right now because their team's moving to Brampton next year. Um, but I, I think that he's been just outstanding for them recently in that CHL Top Prospects game. I think he was the reason why his team ended up winning that. So uh, I'd say he could be a goalie to watch. It's, he's not a big guy, but he's very athletic. And I think that I think he's only six foot one, and I don't think that's going to slow him down in the NHL. I think he's got the talent to, to really be a decent goaltender. Uh, celebrating hands down, still number one. Not even close. Celebrating yeah. is the best prospect. What uh, do you think he's his play uh, after World Juniors has uh, has he kept the level at the same or has he kind of sagged a little bit? Uh, where do you see him? I think he's just been kind of consistent all year. It's, yeah. it's uh, the World Juniors kind of show that he could play all scenarios, and in Boston University, that's just been kind of his thing all year long. And he said uh, for or during training camp that. Playing field of competition always seemed to be the way to go for him because that's what pushes him and to get better. And he's got some good teammates to lean on there. And, of course, Lane Hudson, the Montreal Canadiens prospect, mm-hmm. sending him passes all game long. So that helps. But I think that this is a guy that just can you continue to show that he's in his own class right now. He's not Connor Bedard level, but he's pretty damn good. Uh, anything you got in particular cooking on the daily face-off here in the next little bit uh, that our listeners can keep keep an eye on? I'm going to be at the uh, U18 Five Nations in Michigan for a few days, so I'll be looking at some of the top prospects, Sweden, Finland, Czechia, Switzerland, and uh, USA. So there'll be a lot of stuff coming out of that. Any uh, young players there that uh, you could kind of maybe share, shed some light on? Yep, so Cole Eisenman, one of the top prospects yep. in this draft. You know, he's got a shot that reminds me a lot of 
of Matthews, a lot of Steven Stamkos, so he's been good. He's been falling a bit in the draft rankings, but another one that I'm liking, EJ Emery, six foot four defenseman, continues to fly up the rankings. It'd be one of the best shutdown defensemen in this draft. So those are the two guys I'm keeping a close eye on. What's Iserman? A little bit about him. What's what's his story? Obviously, we know he's who his dad one is. One of the best. Yeah. One of the best goal scorers you could possibly yeah. find in this draft. He's on pace for something like 70 goals. He's looking really good there. Uh, I think the big issue is he doesn't play a lot of defense, and that's what uh, people are looking at here. But he has a chance to set the record for most goals in a U.S. national team development program season, which Cole Caulfield had that record, and he's a, pre- he's a pretty good goal scorer. So mm-hmm. uh, that's pretty notable, I'd say. But uh, he's falling just because he doesn't play a lot of defense at this point. Hey, Stephen, always appreciate your insight. Thanks for hopping on today uh, and enjoy that uh, the, uh, the, the uh, First Nations there in, in Detroit. Thanks. Appreciate it. Yes. Thanks so much. All right. That's Stephen Ellis, Daily Faceoff, and our headliner of the day, brought to you by Mr. Rooter. There's a reason they call him Mr. For all your plumbing needs, go to mrrooter.ca. When we come back, we'll get a... Get to a couple of your texts, one 401 And Lori Munzer will be with us uh, at the top of the hour at 8 o'clock. And just to let you know, Mark Spector, 9 o'clock all week this week as he is out on the West Coast. Kevin Carey Show returns on Sports 1440 after the break. Stay with us. All right, welcome back to the big program. The 740 break means one thing and one thing only. Diana. Fired up about that, eh, Duke? Of course. How could I not be? <laughs> L.A. Lorianne Munzer is just entering the building. Uh, we were just talking in the commercial break, uh, in case you missed it off the top of the show. Yes, Apuliarvi signed a two-year contract with the Pittsburgh Penguins, uh, $1.6 million uh, for two years, $800,000 per season. Um, I'm going to tell you the story, Duke, from, uh, oh, I don't know how many years ago it is, three. And I asked uh, Milan Lucic this, and he looked at me like, like it was the same reaction that he was on the ice. He could not believe it. So... If what what happens if first of all if yes if Yarby turns into something here in plays uh, you just said ride shotgun with Sid here for the rest of the year and somehow he I don't know scores a few goals I, it's going to be crazy around here shows a, shows an innate ability to finish yes so there was a time there was a game uh, and maybe a listener might remember this Milan Lucic is going off the ice and he is in the uh, he he's making a change and he's going off to the bench so he's going to where the gate is inside the blue line so he is technically offside the the play the puck is uh it came out to center ice area and basically Pugliarvi had the puck Lucic is in the offensive zone Pugliarvi sees Lucic and passes it to him and he's going off the ice and he's offside and Lucic looked at him and went what what are you doing and I actually talked to Lucic about it, and he was like, you saw that too, kind of thing? Yeah. So anyway, to your contract, 1.6 mil for uh, two seasons for Mila, uh, for uh, Yeser Pugliarvi in uh, Pittsburgh. Oilers back in action tomorrow in Vegas. Stu Skinner will be getting the start in goal, and we were talking about Skinner at the start of the year, where if you looked at his stats on NHL.com and you were looking at goaltender stats, so if you punch up goalies, first page, couldn't see him. Second page, couldn't see him. He was on the third page with players that were with goaltenders that uh, not even playing. That's how his, where his stats were. Now, Stu Skinner tied for six, 2.44 goals against average with Thatcher Demko. Uh, without, without a shadow of a doubt, Stu Skinner is in the Vezina Trophy 
conversation. Yesterday, the Oilers returned to practice, and Skinner had these comments following practice with the media. Uh, it was a great week. Uh, great week off. Got to spend some quality time with the family, which is always nice. Did you watch the uh, skills competition and or the All-Star games on Saturday? Uh, I watched the highlights. Um, Especially when I uh, found out that Connor won, I wanted to see uh, see what he did. So, um, very exciting for him. We were all, we we're all very uh, very pumped for him. Um, so yeah, he had a he had a great week. And then besides that, I watched a little bit of the All Star game uh, yesterday. Had Bo beside me on the couch, and he uh, my little boy enjoyed uh, enjoyed a couple periods of it. <laughs> Okay. Probably not quite processing it all quite yet, though. Eh? Probably not yet. No. One years old. I don't think. Uh, I mean, when he's older, he'll never remember right. remember what happened. So. Was there an excitement this whole time to get back into this room and you know, start looking towards maybe trying to win your seventeenth game? Yeah, very much. Um, you know, throughout the break, um, it was uh, it was really nice. Obviously, being able to get some rest and kind of let the body recover, let the mind get off the game for a bit. But at the same time, you know, leaving, especially that first day, you're kind of like, kind of want to go to the rink and uh, keep going. But um, yeah, it was good timing. Got uh, got rejuvenated, ready to get back to work. What is it? I mean, what are you're around town? Like, are people? bringing up the streak like I know you guys have been careful in here not to get too high on it but mm-hmm. I mean, with all your family and friends in town is it uh, the first thing that gets mentioned to you um maybe not the first maybe uh, I mean some people maybe um to be honest I'm not uh really thinking about uh what guys are what people are saying to me about the streaks or about hockey in general especially this week um you know kind of try to make a rule of it uh with the people that uh, are close to me that we're not going to be talking about hockey for a bit um but yeah, now uh, now I'm open to all those conversations. <laughs> That's Oilers goaltender Stu Skinner, and one of the reasons that Stu Skinner's numbers have uh, you know really really uh, shone in the last uh, you know during this streak, the 16 game winning streak, has been the play of the defense. And one of the defensemen this game has really just uh, increased from the beginning of the year. When you think about it. Uh, this guy, you know, he missed the, the start of the exhibition season and then the very beginning of the year. Matthias Ekholm has been uh, rock solid. He has just been, um, his play has calmed so many guys down, especially obviously Evan Bouchard on the back end. But he, he's plus 16 on the year, four goals, 15 assists for uh, Matthias Ekholm. If anyone needs a little bit of a break, you know, it's the, these are the guys that really benefit from from the, you know, the 10 days off. But he's raring to go, and uh, he had this to say to the media about his all-star break and uh, moving forward here uh, yesterday after practice. So a good break around town, or what would you want to – We, uh, yeah, we stayed in uh, in Edmonton. Uh, we have obviously three kids. And one's really tiny, so we figured that sometimes less, uh, less is more, and uh, traveling with three kids can be um, – bit of a challenge sometimes so we uh had the kids in school and then we ended up just me and the wife went to a movie one day and then yeah just kind of catch up on things so it was nice do you do you watch the skills competition the all-star games all that kind of stuff or did you tune out a little bit my son loves that stuff so yeah it was definitely on in our household i wouldn't say i watched it but um it was definitely on and it was uh, fun to watch so um yeah, he, my son loved it, and, and it seemed like it's been a good event. Let me guess who he was cheering for. Does he well, he had a couple. Oh, he has a couple. Yeah, obviously Connor and Leon, but Philip Forsberg, too. Uh, he knows him really well, so we had a couple guys that we could cheer on. 
when you're uh, when you come back like this, do you, do you feel immediately back into the groove, or do you feel like it was six or seven days without a practice or a game? Um, yeah, no, it's not immediately for for sure. It takes a little bit of time, but um, it's nice to have the practice today, practice tomorrow, and then um, get going again. I mean, I don't think it matters how much you practice. It's just you need to get back into games. Uh, that's where you ultimately um, feel where you're at, and um, it's coming soon enough. But it's nice to have two practices at least before that. So uh, yeah, I'm feeling good. So what's it like coming back? With a W16 in the streak column, I mean, you sit on that long streak for a week, pretty amazing. Um, yeah, that's the first time I've ever done anything like it, so it's pretty cool. Um, but that's, at the end of the day, streak is what it is. Um, we're gonna lose a game. I don't think we're gonna go 50 straight or whatever it, it would be. Um, so our goal is to make the playoffs. Our goal is to do noise in the playoffs, obviously. So um, it's a it's a great thing. Obviously, you're, you're playing really well as a team, and it's hard to do in this league to, to win that. Many in a row, but at the end of the day, it's a streak, and, and we're looking to whether we um, <clears throat> keep it going for a bunch more or not. It's it's a, it's about the big picture and the big goal. That's Oilers defenseman Matthias Ekholm, and uh, thanks to six thirty Cheds Reed Wilkins for doing some of the heavy lifting, I guess, yesterday for the media that was not able to make it down there. So appreciate that. Uh, Oilers in Vegas tomorrow. All three games this weekend, well, this week and this weekend, are 8 p.m. puck drops. So I'll call it 8.10 by the time they get things rolling. So in Vegas tomorrow, then the Oilers will continue out west, have a couple of days off. So they would have maybe, maybe I would imagine they're probably going to have a little golf game somewhere on the 7th or 8th uh, when they get out to, towards Anaheim. On Friday, they play in Anaheim Friday, and then the L.A. Kings on Saturday. And again, keep in mind the Kings with the coaching change. So you would think that they're going to get that coach bump, as most teams seem to get. So three games in the five days to start things off. Then the Oilers will return home for just just one game. Detroit Red Wings here uh, a week from tomorrow. So the Wings will be here on the 13th. Puck drop uh, for that one is at 7 o'clock. And then it's back on the road again for three games, and that would be in St. Louis and then in Dallas and then an afternoon game on the 19th. It's a Monday, so it's an afternoon game on Monday. That is Family Day here, and it is also, I guess, President's Day in uh, the United States. And then after that, the Oilers close out the month of uh, February with five straight home games. And, oh, so, yeah, I mean, the Boston game here is going to be just an absolute doozy. So many Bruins fans Original six team, obviously. Uh, that is an 8 o'clock start on uh, the Wednesday, the 21st. And then they've got a back-to-back with Minnesota and Calgary. Close out the month with the LA Kings and the St. Louis Blues. So, busy month for the Oilers. And we'll see exactly where they uh, can push, you know, in the Western Conference standings. Again, Vegas and the Oilers have the exact same record with wins and losses. Overtime losses is the difference. Six for the... Uh, Vegas Golden Knights one for the Oilers. So the Knights have 64 points, 59 for the Oilers, but the Oilers do have five games in hand. When we come back, Lori Ann Munzer will be our co-host, as she always is on Mondays. Good morning, LA. She's just back in. She, look at her. She's just flying, had the, the fat tires on the bike, probably biked here. Who knows? Uh, 
Also, John Michael Lyles, uh, former NHLer, Colorado Avalanche analyst. Uh, Mark Spector, Scott Billick will be with us in the 9 o'clock hour. Scott Billick from the Winnipeg Sun will check in and talk a little bit about the Jets. And Speck is in Vegas for tomorrow's game against uh, the Oilers and Knights. And then Soren Petro, 1020, uh, from the program on 810 WHB in Kansas City. Well, here we go. Super Bowl week. Both teams are already in Vegas, so... Uh, should be in. maybe that's why Spexer is probably going down there doing some covering probably trying to get a little one-on-one with Patrick Mahomes just like his Barry Bond story <laughs> uh, when we come back it's uh, Laurie and Munzer top of the hour uh, before that time now for a sports 1440 update brought to you by first round this Sunday watch the Chiefs and the 49ers have great food specials throughout the game I'll be there at first round on uh, 104 only at first round football at first round Monday Thursdays and Sundays during the regular regular season you could also win a trip to watch your favorite team next year here is the Duke